I'm your host, Amber Hollingsworth. I'm an addiction specialist, and I've been helping people beat addiction for more than 20 years now. This podcast is for people who want to know how to get through to an addicted loved one, for people who are tired of being told that they just need to stand back and wait for their loved one to decide to do something about it. Subscribe to this podcast to learn how to outsmart addiction and put this whole mess behind you for good. If you guys have watched many of my videos at all, you know that I am hardcore, big fan of creating accountability in early recovery. I think it does two really important things. One is it helps you when you're in early recovery to make good choices, even on those hard days, even on those days when like you're willpower gets low. To me, accountability is like that safety net that you can put underneath you to make sure that you don't fall through the cracks on hard days because you're going to have them. And the second thing accountability does, which is hugely helpful, is it helps to restore the trust faster. It helps all the relationships and that helps the person in early recovery because when your family gets up off your back, everything is easier because them being all hovering over you is not helpful. We all know that, but families have a hard time backing up because they're scared. So You've probably heard me talk about Soberlink before if you watch this channel for very long because I'm like a huge Soberlink fan, really. It's kind of like embarrassing because I'm such a Soberlink fan. But people always ask me, they're like, well, Amber, is there anything like that for drugs? And, and I always been like, well, not really. They have these like recovery monitoring programs. You like sign in, you see if you have to take a test. It's this whole process. And I would say, you know, you can look for this. Well, guess what? Like a few months ago, I found out that there's a new thing. It's Soberlink for drugs. and I'm so excited about it. I'm like, finally. And then wait until you hear how this works. It's going to blow your mind because I had that same reaction when I heard about this program as I had to serve. Like, I'm like, why didn't I think of that? I could have invented that. I was like so jealous. But when I think about this new program that does it for drugs, which is called Clearly, I'm like, dude, I would have never even thought of that. It's like really cool. But before I even tell you how that works, I actually ask the creator of this program called Clearly to come and talk to you guys. Her name is Liz. And the reason why I want Liz to talk to you guys is because she's got a story to share that I think you're going to be able to relate to. So welcome to our little community, Liz. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, Amber and everyone. Um, Yes, I was connected with Amber and turns out we have similar missions and passions. And so I was super excited when she understood what we were up to and our goals and allowed me to share them with all of you. And so there is definitely a story behind Clearly and it's Mm -hmm. the story of my family. And so I'm just going to dive right in if that's okay, Amber, and just kind of tell everybody what we went through. Yeah, I think that's super helpful because I think that's honestly, I think that's why this program is such a more effective program is because you know where the pitfalls are because you're in it and you understand like the dynamics of it. That's the important part. It's the family dynamics. It's the interpersonal pieces. So, so talk to us about sort of your experience and how this whole thing came about. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. It's a long story. So the way that it started for us was I had a loved one, who amazing person was very sick with a very serious drug disorder, a drug addiction. And so we were coming out of treatment. It was a really scary time. And he was in residential treatment and then stepping down and sober living. And uh, he was about to be coming home. And there were many of us that were nervous about that, including him. And so we were all trying to figure out, looking around and thinking, okay, what are we going to do with him? And he was looking around thinking, what am I going to do with all of you? And so we knew we had to do some level of monitoring. We did not want to do it. So why not? Well, because it's confrontational and you have to have a whole discussion about it. And then I didn't want him to be mad at me. My codependency was kicking Uh, me. So you didn't want to ask him to do it. I was nervous about that because I already felt like everything was a kind of a time bomb. There was a, it was a pressure cooker, but it was scary. But the bottom line was I needed to know we had a lot of other dynamics at play. Children were involved. I needed to know if it was going to be safe with the kids and all of this. But the truth is I needed to know because I care so much for him. Was he okay? And I didn't want to have to ask. Because it felt very undermining to be like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like he wasn't allowed to be in a bad mood, you know, if he was in a bad mood, he's reusing and he couldn't even just be a person, you know, because it was under a microscope. 
And so I was like, we need to do this monitoring and we need to do it in like a balanced way. I don't want to have to discuss it. I just want the information. I want to swim in my lane. You swim in your lane and let's just have this exchange of information somehow. And so I was looking for something that would do that for us. And one of the other ladies that had a loved one in the same sober living, she said, well, it's too bad that you can't use Soberlink because it's awesome. And I was, <laughs> yeah, oddly, I was jealous. I was like, that was great. But I'm dealing with, you know, illicit substances that are not alcohol. And so anyway, I was looking around, I was searching the app store, I was calling around and kind of for us, like the thing was we were doing at home testing and that was just awful. It, it was like not cool for him, not cool for me. I didn't really know how to read the test. I mean, it was gross. It was confrontational. I was like, this isn't going to work. We cannot rebuild with this because it's just too awkward. And it just, even if he's doing everything right, I feel like I'm undermining him. And, and if he's really struggling, then there's a bigger issue at hand. Right. And, and then what happens with the home test, just so the people watching, because I'm not opposed to home test. Yeah. But now yeah. that there's a better solution, I'm like, I'll do this. That's the same way. I used to be like that with the breathalyzer. Before I knew about Silverlink, I'd say, well, you can do it at home. But the problem with it is it puts the loved one in the parole officer sort of like role. Exactly. And, and you want to ask them to take the, the drug test. And when I tell people to drug test people, it's preventative. I want you to do it regularly. I don't want you to wait until something happens, but it feels like an accusation every time. It and it's just, yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly should have been asking for that well before things got where they were, but I was too cowardly. And mm -hmm. I say that because I'm a, you know, strong, confident person, but I just couldn't do it. And if I had been able to have accountability in place earlier, or perhaps, you know, some level of detection to know what was going on. I mean, I was somewhat blindsided initially because I just didn't know the signs to look for. Yes, I think in a, a preventative method is just unbelievably powerful. And then of course, on you know, coming out of treatment as an accountability safety net, I mean, we were looking for a safety net. And so I also was considering lab testing for many different reasons, but the whole thing was, you know, it certainly has its place, but having to leave work wasn't really an option. We were mm -hmm. trying to rebuild families and trust and relationships and friendships and, and work was a critical thing. And I was kind of thinking, what would I want to do that? What, what would I want to do if it were being asked of me? And so going to lab tests, I, so I went to the nicest place in town and the cheapest place in town. Cause I was like, what if I'm going to have this conversation, I need to know what the options are. Wait, I was going to stop right there because I think I really love that. I really love that just for so many reasons. And I don't think I've ever had a loved one do it. And honestly, again, if I would have thought of that, I would have told them. <laughs> but I didn't. I wish I did. But it really helps you to have an understanding about what they are going through. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I just think that was just so smart to really experience it for yourself. And that's what I tell like families when they're like telling their loved one to go to treatment. I'm like, okay, stop. I know that you think they should go and they probably should, but yeah. there's a reason why they're resistant to doing it. You know, understand their point of view. I think that's really key, right? And walking these journeys together is really being able to have an interest in understanding the other person's perspective. And I wanted him to have success and I respected him, even though, you know, things hadn't gone according to plan. And so I thought, well, I'm going to go do all these tests and see what they're like. And what I found out really quickly was if the lab test urinalysis was observed and done correctly, it was really awkward and uncomfortable. Not something I would ever really want to do. Super expensive. But moreover, it felt, it wasn't dignified. It felt very inhumane and it was just humiliating. And so I was like, Ooh, that's not going to work. And then also I realized that half the time I didn't even do it right. And I could cheat it if I wanted to. So I mean, mm -hmm. why am I even paying for this? And then I got to drive here and sit and wait. And then it just didn't seem that would work for us. And it was expensive and all the things. So I got questions. Yeah. Okay, so I want to hear like, what was it? What is the process? How long does it take? How long does it take to get the results back? How much does it cost? Give us the details. Like we want to know. Well, in my experience, it can cost anywhere from 30, $35. There's usually an additional fee for the um, observation if they do it. And then, or it can be up to 85, $125 a test, depending on the panels that you're testing for. And of course, like the nicer places and listen, we have 
labs that we love to work with that are fantastic and they are a little expensive, but they are clean and they are neat and they're professional. However, there's still a drive time involved. Like I was thinking, am I going to be able to leave work, drive 10, 15 minutes, maybe 30, depending on which one I was going to sit there and wait. And even at the very fastest places, there's nothing you can do about drive time. So I was just like, this is not super effective for something that we need to do regularly. Like we could do this every now and then, and there's certainly a need for that. And with the lab partners that we work with, I love that. But like I needed something that would be a little bit more frequent. And also if I was going to get buy-in from him to do this, it needed to be something that wasn't a total pain for him. That wasn't totally going to disrupt his day. And also when someone, I am not in recovery myself, but being exposed to the process has changed my life in countless ways. We could do a whole nother talk on that. But I also learned that in early recovery, it's its own full-time job. So I wanted something that wouldn't be disruptive for him when he was back to work, but also wanted something that wasn't disruptive to the really serious he was working, getting well and doing to get well. So, so, so that was my testing experience. I was like, there's gotta be a better way. How in this day and age do we not have an app for that? You know, I mean, like how many times do we hear that saying there's an app for that? I was like, where's the app for that? Right. And then, you know, it was COVID. And it was, my life was falling apart and everything was going sideways. And so I had this unique opportunity where my day job became very dormant. That was hard, but it gave me the opportunity to obsessively research what our options were. And I call it the CSI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this goes in with your family member. You turn into, I'm like, they should hire all these like spouses and moms at the FBI because you get skills like. We'll get it done. I always laugh and say, I know y'all walking around with a black light in your purse. So you put your skills to some good use. I love it. Nothing will drive you harder than trying to meet a need for your family. Oh, yeah. That's just the bottom line. And I needed something for um, him, something for our children, something for me, and also for his mom. There were a lot of different relational dynamics at play. And so I had this idea to build this app that would do randomized testing, And I knew the randomization was pretty important because that's where true accountability can lie in, you know, predictable accountability. And I needed it to do that. And I needed it to be remote that he could take it anywhere at work or at a sober living facility, wherever the the environment was. And I needed it to be rapid because what we were trying to solve for was the ability to know instantly where we were. I want to point out because I've done drug testing for 20 years. And even when I do it in a treatment program, like when I've run intensive outpatient programs, so somebody pees in the cup or whatever, and then I have to send it to the lab and then it can take yeah. minimum a week, sometimes three weeks to come back. I'm like, dude, if my person is relapsed and I don't find it out till three weeks later, it's not helpful three weeks later. It's scary. Need, if it's happening, you need to know quick because that it's harder and harder to shut the gate on it the longer it goes. You're a hundred percent right. And like our thing was, especially with the prevalence of fentanyl everywhere, I was like, you know, there's no time to wait. And also, wouldn't it be nice if we could just rebuild faster and you were able to see the progress and wouldn't that mm-hmm. be so cool? And then, but, but here's the most interesting thing. So well, we built this app and what it does is, and we ship you everything that you need. So you get our kits. And so when we tell you to take a test, we text you and we give you a window of time. I kind of did this similarly um, to what I saw in drug court which we knew a little bit about. So we give you a window of time to take your test in. And then, well, it's usually eight hours. It can be four or six to turn. It depends on the program, but usually eight hours. So that if you're at work, you can do it there or you have time to get home. Mm -hmm. And we randomize seven days a week, anytime from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. You get that test alert and then you can take it in that eight hour window. It's super convenient. The thing was to make it super convenient, but yet private, dignified and effective, Mm -hmm. right? Because That's like, a lot of boxes to check. I, yeah. know, I mean, you know how it is. You're like, we're going to boil the ocean with this thing. We're going to do it all. And so, so yeah. So what you do is you, you use our app and our app tells you how to take the test, guides it, records it. And we guide you through the entire thing. There's no way anyone else is going to take your test for you. We use facial recognition and then we have a human review component. And that was really important because if we are going to rebuild trust, we have to be extremely trustworthy. So that was kind of the goal. I tried this, you guys. Like I was like, let me see how this when I heard about it. So I got a kit. They sent it to me. I downloaded the app. I opened the app. 
And Liz was nice because you had someone on your team actually like sort of sit there with me and walk me through it or whatever. And you open this app up and it it's like it has this like circle frame or whatever that it needs to see your face. And you have to keep like everything in the view of the camera, right? I'm sitting there, I'm like waiting for my results. And I think I, I'm super ADD, so I just have a hard time like sitting for two minutes. So if you micro millimeter, it got you. Like I'm like, oh, this thing is this watching me for real. And that's the goal is to guide someone to success, you know, and then so the first test, you figure it out and we guide you through it. It's so easy. We do the collection and we do the processing all on camera. We take pictures and those are part of the report that we send out. It takes 18 minutes, soup to nuts. You can do it anywhere. It's private, it's dignified, it's easy. I mean, so our entire team tests through our systems. We live our customer's experience. And as you know, I'll be watching Real Housewives, taking my test. You know, it's like very easy. Sometimes I'm working on my computer. And when we started, we beta tested everyone from my 12-year-old daughter to my seven-year-old mother. And we were like, you know, let's make sure this thing is super easy to use. We've done probably 1,500 to more than that test in our app since we started. And we use tests that are widely used in employer and forensic markets that are 99% accurate. So it's been a lot of fun to create something and then actually launch it and see it do the thing that we dreamed it could do, which is provide the accountability for someone who's off at of college, for someone who's, you know, got a really busy work day and can't get anywhere to test mm -hmm. and step aside. We see people that will, you know, they're driving and they're on a trip and they'll get a, a, a ping to test and they prefer to just go ahead and get it over with. They'll just pull over at a rest stop, knock it out. I mean, like it's empowering, it's innovative, it makes you feel good. Here's the thing kind of, we feel like we go beyond detection because we take out all the excuses of why you won't take our test that there's only really one reason why oh, someone, one reason. Someone will skip a test. Well, you fail by decline. That's the whole point is if you opt not to do it, you know, there's only, it's very telling. You can also fail by misstep, which means you tried to cheat it, which is always interesting when that happens. And then you can also fail by detection, which means one of these 14 pan panels re rendered a result. So we have a pretty extensive panel, but I think I would say the most rewarding thing about putting this together is that we see folks having a different experience with accountability. It's been amazing. And also we see families having a different experience with accountability. Accountability, as you preach very well, is crucial in this whole process. Right. The the thing that from, from like a clinical perspective, there's mm -hmm. just a there's a few things I like about it. Obviously I like that someone's not watching you pee. I don't even know if we said this yet, but it's a mouth screen. I think we might it goes in your mouth and like collects your spit. So you know that's not embarrassing one to pee, right? You get the results instantly. But the a big piece of this is that it's automated. Those old infomercials, I can't remember what it was, it's like, set it and forget it like, or whatever. It's like the crackpot, right? It's just automated. Well, thank you for pointing that out because we do. We You don't have to ask anyone to take a test. We do that for you. Mm -hmm. We facilitate the test. And basically what we say is you get their results at your fingertips because when that test is complete, we send it up into a cloud. Our highly trained team reviews their test session with human eyes. And then we send you a report within 60 minutes of that test being completed. That's mm -hmm. right. That's pretty impressive. Right. And so it, it just, like I said, it just works efficiently. I've always been a big proponent of accountability. And even with the old systems, I would have said do it anyway, because it's that important. But now it's this makes it just way more like livable in your real life. Yes. And it, like I said, it helps the person in early recovery, but it also just helps the family. Mm -hmm. And so who, who gets the results? How does that get set up? Because you're saying some they get the results like within 60 seconds of the test up. Nick, who gets your results? Like, how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so it's super easy. So on my phone, I have the app because I'm regularly testing and I have a loved one who also has the app as my supporter and mm -hmm. I test. He gets my results within 60 minutes of me completing my test and anyone else that I add into my app, if I remove someone, they get a notification that I've taken them out of receiving. Uh so one of the things that we did in order to do just that is that we went to a sober living here where I live and went to the executive director and we said, and my loved one was very helpful with this. He has just been 
fantastic. And we recruited about 10 folks to come and test with us in the summer that we were piloting. And these guys were just awesome. And they were like, we've cheated every single drug test there's ever been. You're real drug addicts. You yeah, recruited the real deal. Brilliant people and they are creative minded and they were up for any assignment. And we said, all right, what we want you to do is help us figure out where you would cheat our process. You know, I mean, help us understand, do we have any holes in the process? And so we went through that entire summer and we have built something that we feel like is absolutely foolproof. You unwrap your test on camera, you show your mouth on camera. And again, you do this all so quickly and then the whole thing is recorded. And then again, that test result that you get, you have images of the person holding their test. pretty awesome. We've had our results accepted in court before. We mm-hmm. remember entering into that, seeing how we can help folks rebuild in that area. But when we sat down and we said, how would you cheat it? You know, we had people come up with some pretty nifty ideas. So we just kind of worked that into our process to make sure there's weren't options. Yeah. You just found all the holes and then covered the bases. Yeah. Right. And you know, you said it, it held up in court. I'm telling you guys, I've done so many pee screens. It doesn't bother me at all when someone hands me some pee. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm going to tell the truth. Like, I don't even put the glove on. I'm just like, because I've just done it for so long. And I'll be like, oh, you need some hydration, you know, because <laughs> I've looked at so much pee. But what I want to say about it is that these tests, and I've done it, I've done both lots of times, are probably more accurate than the pee test because there's, with pee tests, there's like a million ways to cheat the system. Mm-hmm. Don't make me tell you what they are. Certain drinks you can buy, all kind of things. Okay. But there's not with these tests. You're exactly right, Amber. So the, it was really exciting for us. The Department of Transportation actually just added saliva as one of their methodologies and they'll start using it, actually using it probably in the next 12 months, but they added it because there are no known adulterants when properly collected, there is no known way to cheat it. Now, saliva is a little bit different. The um, the detection window is more narrow, so you can detect use sooner, and that's really helpful with certain substances. And then also, you know, within that window of time, it's been recent use. Now, urines can be very helpful for historical use, and that's a great place for a urine. And so they both have their place, but a rapid saliva gives you immediate understanding. And again, that's what we're looking for. Sometimes people will, and I've, you know, I've had people ask me about like the hair testing and stuff in the past. So if you're thinking about that for your loved one, I do want you to know this. Number one, it's a chunk of hair. It's not like they pull a hair out of your head. So, you know, if you're me and you have a massive amount of hair and it's, it doesn't that matter because like I can do it underneath. But if you're like a dude who has like a short haircut, you got a little bald spot. But that's not even really why. But I have found I'm not a laboratory assistant or whatever they are. I've never had anything show up on a, on a hair test on my clients uh, who are telling me they're using drugs. Like, I'm like, I know they are using drugs. It has to be in such a high concentrate, I think, that I, I've never seen anything show up. And it and that takes forever to come back. So if you're thinking about that, like, I don't even, I never would, I never messed with those. Like, I tried it a few times, but it just wasn't. It's very expensive, for sure, too. Oh, yeah. So we tried to, we worked really hard to get our pricing to be very close to what you, per test, what you would pay if you went to get a high caliber drugstore test. And we do feel like we're not an at-home test. We're an anywhere test. And that's really important for people to know um, when they are traveling for work or for play, you can still be accountable wherever you go. And we built our system to be super um, user-friendly. So this little test, I usually carry one in my purse um, because again, I'm testing through the system. Um, Not that I wouldn't have time to go get it if, you know, within that window I needed to do so, Um, but it is meant to be like on the fly. Here you go. Super easy. Works with your lifestyle and um, monitoring and accountability long-term has been proven to be highly in um, outcomes for folks Mm -hmm. with sobriety. So I wanted a way for, so you see physician health programs and programs designed for pilots and nurses. They have this long-term monitoring component. And I was like, well, we want that for our families. And how do we do that? Even in aftercare from treatment, but also as you pointed out in prevention and deterring and early detection, if someone needs to go to treatment, how do we get them there faster? That could have been a huge game changer for my family had we understood what was going on sooner. When I look at this, what you've done with the Clearly, you really have sort of covered the bases to make it efficient, effective, more comfortable, but also, you know, the tamper proof, like, but like 
validity. I can't think of the word validity. Yeah. Like the validity of it. And it's just fast and speedy. So mm-hmm. I know of a better option right now. And that's why I get, I know I get kind of nerdy and excited about these things, but it works. Let me yeah. give you an example. I was talking to a wife. This was a wife I was talking to a week ago and she's one of our invisible intervention members. And she made this consult and she's okay, I'm there. Amber, I don't know what to do now. He says he's ready. And she's like, what do I do? What I do? You know, she's like, what do I ask him to do? Because he says he's ready. He sounds genuine. I think he means it. And my husband said to me like, okay, I'll do whatever you think I need to do. So then finally, she's been working like, you know, months to get him there. And then she's like a deer in headlights, you know, <laughs> you know so she gets on the phone with me and we're talking through it. And she's like, well, should I ask him to go to meetings? Should I tell him he has to go to treatment? Should I make him talk to a counselor? What should I do? And I said, well, let me tell you what, if you only have one thing to ask your loved one to do, you ask them to do monitoring. If, if you got one thing, this is the most important of the things I personally think. Yeah. Why do you think it's the most effective? Because it's the only thing that really works and is accountable. I mean, you can make people go to meetings. You can't force recovery. Sometimes you can force compliance, but you can't force recovery. This is the thing I think that helps more than anything else. And and like I said, I've used accountability. I've used Silverlink. I've used all these things for a long time. But for the person who's dealing with it, that knowing that I can't just get by with it because there's these, I call them monster mouths. There's always these sneaky thoughts. And this is when you're in early recovery, you're trying to get ahead of your own sneaky thoughts. And there's a couple of really big ones that are almost always there in almost any addiction for everybody I see. And one of them's called coast is clear. You know, like my spouse is gone for the day. She took my kid to camp or whatever. I've got several hours. I can do just a little bit. I'll be fine by the time she gets home. She won't even know, right? I call that coast is clear monster mouth. That's probably one of the strongest cravings for people. And then there's this other one that's called just a little bit. That's the name of that monster mouth. It's this voice in your head, right? Just two, just a little bit, just one line, just one time, whatever. And what happens is if you get ahead of those little sneaky addiction thoughts, like those little monster mouths, this is ahead of them, right? It sort of takes those things off the table. And actually, that's where I think it makes it easier to stay sober. Like I said, for me, testing is not about catching people. I do not want to catch anybody on a drug test. I hate it when someone fails their test, fails their sober link, because I'm like, oh, I feel like terrible for them, because now I'm about to say something, they're going to feel awkward. I feel bad. Like, I don't want that to happen. I'm trying to prevent you by getting ahead of these monster mouths. For me, that's what it's about. And if you try to just pull this off on your own at home as a parent, a spouse, whatever, you'll probably do okay for the first few weeks, but it's so uncomfortable you're going to stop doing it consistently because it's not comfortable to have to ask them to do it. It's just kind of weird. And then you start slacking off, right? Yep. And then you slack off and then you don't, you know, everything's fine. And then they come home late one day, oh, honey, or whatever. And then you're like, I need you to take a drug test. And now it's an accusation. That's when it has to start up front. You're not trying to trick them. I'm not trying to wait and catch you looking sketchy and catch you. That is not effective for addiction recovery. That's just effective for, I don't know, probation maybe. I don't know, but it, that doesn't help people being caught, right? So for me, it's about the prevention. And the only way to do that is consistently beforehand so that you're ahead of the monster mouse, so that you don't have that sneaky thought, well, I can do it just a little bit or I can get away with it because it takes off the table. And then when you don't have to have that thought, it's less stressful to stay sober. You don't have to argue with your monster mouse a thousand times a day. It makes so it easier really does. I love that. And I love the way you said about not being the police person in your household. And that was Mm -hmm. one of the things I was like, I don't want that in any relationship, whether it's spousal, co-parenting, children, we're not meant to have to play that role. And if something can do that for you, but still give you the information, then everybody's winning. So I, I love that. That was one of the things I was like, how do we keep people from being in that situation? And when you can, you know, have software that'll tell someone to take a test and you don't have to be the one it's fantastic. And the randomization is key too. And for the person that doesn't feel like an accusation, right? And that's what I think. That's what I think is like when it's, I, even as a counselor, I don't like to do it. As an addiction counselor, I don't like to have to ask somebody to take a screen because, I, you know, it just makes it weird. And so this automates it. That's the part. The automation yes. and the validity, like all of that together. I'm super jealous. I did not come up with this. I'm like yeah. a techie addiction counselor. Why did I think of this? Dang. We're excited. Yeah. The, the feedback that we get 
from the folks that we work with is that it's a game changer. To get the feedback from the folks that are actually the ones taking the test about how it kept them honest, how it kept them on the right track. I mean, it is so rewarding. I mean, that's exactly what we set out to do. And so to see these folks like, and here's the thing, you said it, it there's no bad result for us. If someone is doing great or we're tracking that progress is awesome. If they aren't, if there is a fail by decline, a fail by misstep, a fail by detection, that is an indication that there's just more work to do. And you need to know that. So everyone can work correctly and that person can, you know, have that, again, that safety net. So I love that. I think that's kind of key to the, lo the long-term play in all this. This video is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp has more than 20,000 therapists worldwide, which is one of the things that makes them so easily accessible. That is honestly my favorite thing about BetterHelp, is that you can get access to the help when you actually need it. You guys know that I talk about getting help when you're in that right moment. Timing is everything. And the last thing that you want to do is start calling around to all these different therapist practices and waiting for weeks to get a call back if you even get one. Now BetterHelp, it's not a crisis line. It's not a hotline. It's real professional therapy done securely online. It's so easy to set up an account. All you have to do is go to betterhelp.com backslash put the shovel down. Don't forget to use that link to get an extra 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P backslash put the shovel down. Just do you have a few minutes if we took a couple questions or can they ask you questions about like your own personal story or just about the clearly thing? Anything they like. You're open? We're all in this together. All right, let's do it, Christina. Christine says, I found out last night that my husband relapsed again on pills. How do I deal with the relentless bullying and harassment for money? He will literally keep me awake or stand outside my office when I am working. I know what you're talking about. It is like bullying. It's like a little kid pestering, right? Like where they just, it's a manipulation tactic, basically. It's just, I'm just going to wear you down. You know, like where I just ask you a million times. And I think honestly, when you're in a situation like that, you sometimes even have to just remove yourself physically. And that's crazy to say, but sometimes you just, you have to do that. It reminds me of when I used to be a teacher, really hard, you guys. And then I worked in like the rehab center. One of my first jobs was I was like a teacher in the rehab center because I was an addiction. I was a counselor, but I'd also been a teacher. So they wanted me to do like the teaching of these students, the ones that were like in treatment and couldn't go to school. They were doing like homeschool, but in rehab. One of the things I learned was like, if you're in there and somebody acts up and acts crazy, which can happen in the mental hospital people. <laughs> and you ask them to leave and they won't, then what you do is you have everyone else stand up and leave. And so that's what this reminds me of. And sometimes, because you're saying, you know, imagine you have a classroom, somebody's acting out, throwing a fit or whatever, and you're like, you need to leave, you need to whatever, go to the hall, go to the principal, go to the counselor, whatever. But they won't. You can sit there and keep arguing with this person, but sometimes you have to physically get up and remove yourself. And I know that's hard, especially if you have kids and you're married, but you have no matter what, if you give in to that behavior, it's just like any other bad behavior. You're like reinforcing a bad behavior. So try not to argue about it. You don't have to explain why. You don't have to say, but I gave it to you last time and I know what you're going to do. Don't engage and say, I'm not talking about this anymore. You know, try that a few times and then remove yourself if that's what you have to do. Good advice for sure. And it's hard. It's hard because I know when they're in that state. Now, another thing I'll say, Christine, is like, let's say they had the money and they're like trying to leave and you know they're going to go drink, use or whatever it is. I also say never stand in the door physically and try to block somebody. Like you can say to someone like, I don't think that's a good idea. I wish you wouldn't. I've seen parents do this with kids like, you're not leaving, you know, like and stand in front of the door or try to wrestle their cell phone on other hands. I'm like, do not do that because when you're dealing with someone who's in that determined state, you're not going to deter them. And then you're going to be dealing with some kind of like domestic situation, right? It's hard, but you can't physically make someone not do something. Got it. All right. How do you know they're not altering the sample without eyes on them? I love this question. Good one. All right. The way it works is all you need is your smartphone and one of our test packets. And then we'll tell you when to test. We'll send you a text and an email. And we'll remind you and bug you until you complete it. You go into the app. You're going to click through a couple of best practice reminders. And then you're going to basically, I don't know if you guys can see here. I'm going to try to show you. You set your phone up wherever. We give you a phone stand that's really nice. 
but we walk you through the entire process and we record you. It's super the cool. The camera's on in the app. The camera's on in the it's, app. It's watching you. So it has AI in it that can detect you're in sketchy, right? Yes, that's right. We guide you. We talk to you. We tell you the steps one by one. We guide you through the whole process while we're mm -hmm. you in your selfie cam. You can see yourself taking your test. The facial recognition confirms that you are who you're supposed to be, which is part of your account setup. And so we guide you through the entire thing. If at any point in time, your test components leave the frame of the selfie cam, then you fail by misstep because you've lost the, what they call chain of custody of your test. We have to be able to verify that this and this were always part of the process and never were they like, for instance, we, we saw this guy, he did, he tried so hard to be so slick. Um, let me show you guys. He, he took one of his tests and he pretended to knock it over and pick it up really fast. Mm -hmm. But we had a couple of certain things we knew to look for, and we caught the fact that he replaced it with a process test. We yes. know, yeah, we had this, this like really squirrely, really smart college kid. He took a test and he was trying to, because we take images of your results. He was trying to sh show a different test. Oh, like he put an old one in front of a new one? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it all. We, we've seen people we're trying, man. Hey, we get it. We're like, we're down yeah. for this. And so, yeah, so if you do anything to disrupt the process, that's the fail by misstep. And trust me, we give you a how-to video. We have built this thing to be so easy. A 12-year-old can do it. So any type of disruption or foul play is very easy to catch. And, you know, you have other tests in your packet that we send you. So if you ever needed to, to retest, it would be possible through our system. But we make it so that you should have a very easy flow of things and really feel very comfortable the entire time. Another difference with our system versus if you've ever done an at-home COVID test is like I would drop it and spill it and try to fold out, you know, the instructions and read it. And what am I doing here? This is not like that. This is someone's telling you and guiding you. You don't really have a lot of questions if, you know, you're just following along. It's just kind of intuitive. I hope that helps. It does because you have to like open the test in front of the camera. Yeah. And once you start, you, your face and little hands, that little test cannot <laughs> go off of the camera. If you're seeing me right now, if this happened. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's not that hard. Like it, it, you, if you did that, you knew what you were doing. A hundred percent. It wouldn't really be accidental. Like you, yeah. you're trying. Yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, again, to your point, like we were trying to make this super easy so someone would be willing to do it. You can't make it complicated. You know, it has to be like very smooth and easygoing. And again, you can see yourself in the selfie cam. So it's not like you're not sure of what's happening. And this is also easy to use. So usually everyone does it seamlessly. And those that are trying to get around something, unfortunately, we have to report that as a fail by miss. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Okay. So let's say someone fails by misstep. Then, I mean, well, at that point in time, and you're more the one to make the recommendation than we are, our job is supply the information. This person, there was foul play. And we put that in the report. We'll put in the report what the situation was specifically, and then allow you to make the decision of what happens next. When you're monitoring, you usually have some level of expectation, what happens when and if. And that's part of a good monitoring plan um, is for everyone to know what the incentives or deterrents are. And what I mean by that is what are the consequences? Understanding that upfront is really important, you know, to being compliant and taking your test. If someone is failing by misstep, my recommendation would be at that point in time, they could wait for the next test to be pinged and remind them of their consequences or what they've mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, if needed, you can always use that lab test if and when you think there's need a need for confirmation. We will have as part of our app offering probably in the next three to five months, I would think you'll be able to put in a zip code and find a nearest lab. Um, but our job is to give you like that immediate transparency into mm -hmm. housing. So, you know, when we tell you, oh, Johnny took his test and he tried to switch out his test, you know, you know, right away, the only reason why he's doing that. Yeah. There's only one reason. Yeah. <laughs> you just say, I just want to see if this app works. Yeah. And they do is they, you know, they may drop their test or they may like have something, try to see if they can have something happen with their phone. I heard this one story of someone who I had someone else like flick off their Wi-Fi. Our tests work with Wi-Fi or cell service, um, but people, you know, they do try to get creative. So I think that having a really great understanding um, of what the, you know, 
agreement is revolving the monitoring is really important. So everyone kind of knows what happens next. And it's not something, a discussion you have to have after the fact. Right. And what I would say, if you're the family member watching this and you're trying to wonder, well, should the consequences be, this might be where I can help make this easy for you. (laughs) When I do this with whether, you know, Soberlink or urine test or whatever testing I've used in the past, the fact that they know that, you know, that is the thing. Yeah, I know you don't believe me, but because sometimes people say, well, what happens if I fail my test? And then I'll say like a hologram of me appears and it says, I see you, I know what you're doing, you know, and then we laugh or whatever. What happens on my hand is I text them and I say, hey, what's up? You missed your test or, you know, is everything all right? And then they'll usually be like, hey, I drank last night or whatever. And then I'll say, okay, is it all gone? Do you have any left? Can we get back on track today? You know, like you don't have to have a big punishment most of the time. The accountability isn't probation. Okay. It's not you wrote parole and now you're going to jail. Although, I mean, occasionally (laughs) could be that, but honestly, it's just about having everything above board that everything above board is the thing, right? You don't have to say you kicked out. I mean, some people have that in their plan or whatever, but I usually encourage people not to have these rules where it's like black and white, it is or it isn't. And there's, I'm like, I wouldn't even set those for people. I would, what I say, family members, I'd say, listen, I'm not going to let that chaos come up in here and mess with my kids up. Or, you know, if this goes on, then I'm going to tell you there is an endpoint to this and I'm done. But you don't have to say one failed test and, you know, I'm out or whatever. It's the above board that actually makes it work. That's such great. Not the punishments. I totally agree. We were trying to figure out a way to give folks the ability to do more of carrot than a stick. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you want back or what are the things that you're trying to keep or what are the things that are important to you? You know, and that's different for everyone. But I mean, 100 percent, the carrot is always better than the stick. And yeah, I think that's awesome advice. Amber, I wish I had found you like three or four years ago. Well, I wish I had found this clearly. Yeah, this is going to work good together. Nancy's got a question. Does not work on like regular drug testing. It's like a special thing you have to either buy a special test for or ask for. Is that detected on this test? We do have that on our panel. And the reason why that's important is because, well, there are a couple. Fentanyl did affect my family. I I understand how scary it is. And it's very interesting with fentanyl because oftentimes people are using it and they're not intending to. Right. With the poisoning of fentanyl now and everything, it's um, pretty scary. It is our panel. We we do see it work. You know, yeah, it is. It's a hard thing because sometimes people will pop for it and they're just as surprised as anyone else because it was in the cocaine or it was in, you know, it's just the way it is these days. So, yes, we do have it on our test. I just want to add to that, too. If the person is, let's say they're addicted to like Xanax or cocaine or something like that, and they show up positive for fentanyl there is a there's a strong chance that they did not know that but if your person is addicted to opioids i know y'all i know y'all don't believe me on this but people seek that out like they know what they're getting like they know it's not always tricked i guess is what i'm saying so very true so like i said if if that's really not their thing but their thing is the other thing and you see it, it it probably is like somebody put something in something but if it's opioid like there's a real good chance that they knew what they were getting to the days of innocent experimentation and recreational drug use, those days, in my opinion, are over. There mm-hmm. is just a gamble and very scary raising children in that environment, too. Is it? Anna wants to know if it's available in Canada. We have tested people in Canada. Yes. So let us it, know if we can help you in Canada. If they have internet mm-hmm. and you can send a package, it works there. Okay. As long as we can ship you your kit and you have Wi-Fi or cell service, you should be good to go. Right. Let's see here. What is the cost? Oh, here's the cost question. Okay. So as I mentioned, we tried to structure our costs around what would you be paying if you went to the drugstore and bought an equal test? And then we wrapped it in software and ship you everything you need so you don't have to drive to the drugstore. So we have three different programs and they're different price points. And Amber, you know what we need to do? We need to do a little coupon code for your folks. Okay. Maybe we'll do shovel or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. You'll give me, I can put it in like the description. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's around $250 a month for five tests shipped to your doorstep. To be honest for us, that includes shipping. That's our largest cost is to get those to you because when you order them from us, we do ship them out today. Um, shipping, you usually get them two to three days because typically when someone orders our kits from Clearly, 
they're ready to go. And oh, to, yeah. If your person's coming out of treatment, you need to have these at home before they get there. Don't be waiting. No, we can totally help with no. that. Our service is amazing. Mm -hmm. You can call us. We're happy to talk you through the process, let you know exactly what to expect. Our website is clearly.com, also very helpful. So you order your kit and our programs are based on the frequency of testing that you need. So we have our accountability program, which is five tests a month for 250. And that is five random tests with everything you need shipped to your doorstep, the software they're reporting. And that testing experience, that test record can be shared with as many folks as you want to have on the platform receiving those results. So that's pretty cool. And then again, like it's the processing, the software, the facial recognition, and the test kits themselves. We also have in the panel, I will say, and this is on our website, it's a 14 panel test that covers all of the usual suspects including fentanyl, Xanax, cocaine, methamphetamine, amphetamine. It's all listed there. So we have a pretty impressive panel, if you will. I will say if someone is struggling with THC use, they need a higher frequency of testing because THC doesn't stay in the saliva as long. So if someone is, that is their main drug of concern, I would recommend a higher frequency of testing. So wait, wait, let me say this. Yeah. That's actually, I didn't know that. Do you, I didn't know that part. But as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that's actually a good thing because part of the problem with marijuana is because it stays in the urine so long. So, so that's actually good because if it shows up on a saliva test, it means it's it, been recent. It's a real recent. That's actually helpful, I think. Yeah, that's an awesome point. That's the whole thing is immediate use, recent use. And so the Accountability Plus program that we have is nine tests a month. It's $430 um, for nine tests. So you can think of it like this, two tests a week with a floater throughout the month. Our job was to figure out how to design, and it's truly random, but how to design something that would never be predictable, not just in which day, which we test again, seven days a week, 365 we test, you know, no worry about a holiday, no worry about, I mean, you might even have to take a test on your birthday. So, I mean, it's just totally random. And then of course we randomize the time of day. Mm -hmm. So that's super important to that accountability piece. So that's 430, $430 for the accountability plus 250 for the accountability program. And then for someone who is either could be very early detection or who is doing great, but needs that continued safety net. We have the maintenance program, which is awesome. It's a three month program for $350, but it's seven tests over three months. So it's truly random spot testing. It's for that person who they've been doing great. They're doing their work. Maybe they've been on one of our um, higher frequency programs for 60, 90, 120 days. And they're just wanting to step down to something, that last tier of accountability. And we see it. But when we came up with that program, I was very curious to see if it would be utilized. It's actually very popular um, for stepping down. So great option. And again, our goal is to send you everything that you need. You're not driving to get anything. It's all really available to you at your doorstep and at the touch of your fingertips. For you and your And I think it's good that you have the tiers because usually that's what you want to do. You usually want to start if someone's brand newly sober, you want to start with the higher tier. And like with Soberlink, I'm not, I don't want to go from testing you three times a day to nothing. <laughs> you know, like gradually like figure that out. So I think it's smart. And that kind of relates to this question which is about Soberlink, but this actually applies to both. It's like my husband started Soberlink. How many months should you do this for maximum effectiveness? He's not doing meetings, sober coach or anything else. Okay. So I have an answer for that, but Liz may have a different answer for that. So I'm going to let Liz say, and then I'll weigh in too. Okay, great. So that, that is a great question. I think it really, it's obviously person to person. What's best. Mm -hmm. The outcomes show the longer you monitor, the longer you're more likely to have that sustained sobriety. So what does that look like? So I've heard from the research that we've done, this is going to sound crazy. Really two years is phenomenal. 12 months is really ideal. And Amber, you're the professional here, but when we talk to folks that are coming out of treatment, we work with treatment centers, we work with case managers, we work with professional monitoring companies. Mm -hmm. If they can get someone to do 12 months, they really feel great about that. Now, if someone's only agreeable, and Amber, you talk a lot about this, what is someone willing to agree to? And how do we kind of meet in the middle? I think it's more important to have buy-in than trying to say, hey, are you going to do this for 12 months? That sounds like a super long time to that person. So I'm teeing that for you, Amber. So we, that's what we would prefer from our end where we see the best results. 
I mean, I agree. The longer, the better. <laughs> but that can sound very scary to someone. If someone's coming out of treatment, like they've been in like a, a residential or an inpatient treatment, they might be more apt to be like, all right, yeah, whatever. Because honestly, that's what it comes about. This will agree to anything. It's just, it's just the truth, people. So if that's the situation, great. But if this maybe your loved one is trying to get sober, or you're trying to get sober without having to go away, a year sounds like a really long time. So what I like to ask from people as I say, listen, you're not, you know, I'm not putting you in some kind of contract to do this, but I am going to recommend that you do it at least three months, get new habits, new routines. And then, you know, then we can like look at it again. So, so I like to ask for a commitment. When I ask people to do monitoring, I say, I think you should do at least 90 days. Most of my people do it way longer, but it's not because I make them do it. it it's because it's the choice that they make or whatever. So, you know, your loved one best, you know, sort of what place they're in. If they're in a like really solid place and they're like, yes, I'm doing this. I don't care what I do or whatever. Ask for your long time. <laughs> if they're not. And they're like, and then, then I ask for at least three months. And then what you can do is after the three months then you can like probably like go to a lesser number so that it, you know, that kind of thing and sort of wean down that way. That would be my thoughts. I, I totally agree that the first 90 days outside of treatment are just super critical. I mean, that is where if you're going to see reuse and we see a lot of treatment programs that we work with or monitoring partners that we work with, that's kind of their go-to. And again, to your point, it's very interesting who will choose to do that longer because they see the benefits of it, rebuilding, putting pieces back together, progress tracking. And I've talked to folks who were monitored who chose to do it longer. And they said, you know, it was so nice for me to know, even though I was doing great, that I had that accountability there in the distance, you know, just kind of keeping me on track. So, and for people that are serious, once they do it for a while, what happens is there'll be a time or two that they're going to tell you, I would have relapsed if that wouldn't have been in place. Yeah. And for those people, they know that like most days are really solid and most days it's not an issue and they don't even need it. Mm -hmm. But probably in the course of three months, they're going to, you're going to run into a point. It's like, you know what? I probably would have used like, and they'll acknowledge that and admit it. And then other people continue to do it longer because they're like, you know what? This makes my life easier because now my family's not up my butt. I can go off to college. I can go to the freaking Target and not come back to a million questions. And so I'd much rather do this a few times a month than to deal with that. And because it really gets you freedom. So that's why people usually choose to do it longer. One of those two reasons. Beck says, my loved one is an inpatient, 40 days sober now from alcohol. She's been very positive until recently called begging to come home. We refuse to come get her. How can we best support her? She's been there 40 days. It sounds like, and I don't know how long the program is, but usually the begging to come home happens right up front. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's bizarre that it's happened at 40 days, but what you want to do, because they're in treatment and they're just calling, you just want to sidestep the issue until it goes away, <laughs> if possible. <laughs> Honestly, like I understand why you want to. I try not to say things like, listen, you know why you're there. You did all, you know, try not to go into that mode because that's not helpful. Try to be kind and supportive, but do. Yeah. And when they come home, some kind of monitoring program. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because Liz is here. Those of you who watch this video, you know, I would be saying that anyways, because I always say that. Cindy says, wish I'd known about this six months ago. I might have to use it in the future. Thank you, Cindy. Oh, I hope you don't need us in the future, but I appreciate that you understand what we're doing. Jeffrey says, my partner is 70 days sober, recently relapsed. What advice could I give him to encourage the progress he's made? I have some thoughts, but I, but I want to get your thoughts too, Liz. What do you think? So that's such a hard thing. Gosh, it's so emotional, right? Because for a thousand different reasons. So I would say to encourage the progress he's made, I think leading with kindness, again, you make the point, like never throw things back in their face or to use harsh words. I think that knowing that you... So one of the things for me is accountability is important. And how do you balance that with an unconditional love or caring, right? Find, finding that spot where there are boundaries and there are this. I would say if what you could do to encourage him with the progress he's made is maybe highlight some of the things that were going so well in the time that he was on track 
and talking about the things that maybe he's hoping to achieve or you're hoping to achieve together or independently that could be based around him staying well. Amber, you're more of the prof professional than I am. I have lived experience with this. I'm better at detecting the problem. <laughs> the CSI got the badge. <laughs> I agree with everything Liz said. The only thing that I would add is when it comes to relapse, like with my clients, I go into damage control mode. And so what I do, because what happens to the person is they think, especially, you know, somebody had 70 days. I mean, that's a long time and they're doing really good. And they think I've ruined it. I'm all the way back to square one. I've already screwed it up now. Might as well keep going. Yes. They start thinking like they've heard in treatment and other people say, you can't stop. Like I, I try to put a shutdown to all that. And I say, listen to me, if you had 70 days, okay and you used yesterday, then I'm not going to give you yesterday. You don't get 71. But if you're sober today, I'm giving you 71. Because that other thinking, that's monster mouth thinking. That's addict thinking. You can't undo your 70 days. Now, if it, they had 70 days and then they'd been out using for a month, probably it's not that their days go away, but it's really hard to stop at that point. But if it's a, I call it a lapse. If it's a lapse, the damage control mode is where I go because the, that addiction is going to try to tell them they've screwed it up. They can't contain it. And, and what I try to do, if at all possible, is to contain that. Mm -hmm. so it, it's a slip. It's a mess up. We process it. What did we learn? What happened? Are there things we can do? But damage control it so that they don't, beating themselves up about it isn't helpful. And as the family member, support person, your job is to keep doing everything I teach you. Mm -hmm. do, do not lose your mind. You don't relapse with them. Yes. The worst thing you can do is go back into all the old stuff and the yelling, screaming in the spine. Don't do it. If you don't get on the roller coaster with them, they will very likely get off of it much quicker. If they go back to old behavior and you go back to old behavior, we're going to be on the roller coaster for a while. Don't do it. I have videos on the channel about that too. Let's see here. Oh, Anna Anderson. That's a good question. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. I was just looking at that one. Yeah. Do you suggest these accountability trackers? How do you suggest it in a way that they would accept? Okay, you go first. Amber, but you're the best at this because I know what your answer is because you've already coached me on this thumb. I would say that for me, that was one of the hardest things. Like, how do I bring this up? They're going to get so pissed at me. And like, how are we going to do this? But I got to do it. And so I would lead with, in my experience, what are the things that we're trying to achieve? So in a positive light. And so always for me, it was like, how do I find the carrot in all of this and not the stick? I mean, the stick exists, but let's focus on the carrot. So it was a matter of, in my situation, what is it that you want? And other things that you've lost, what can we help regain? And focusing on that and uh, oh, the actual like verbiage of how do you bring it up? For me, I was always like, I don't really want to do this, but I feel like it could be really helpful if we start doing some testing. And there may be nothing that comes up, which would be great, but it really helped me to understand where we are without having to ask you and having to have a conversation about it. I would love just to have information without a confrontation sort of thing is that, and that's how we suggest folks share clearly is that's the whole thing, right? Is balancing mm -hmm. ability. I want to be able to swim in my lane, you swim in your lane, and let's just have this information. And that's what we didn't have before. Anyway, Amber, I could keep on going, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. But I know you've got some really good advice on this. Right. And I agree with what Liz is saying, which is like saying, hey, this is going to help me stay off your case. <laughs> it's going to be good for both of us. And you know it, like she says it real sweet. Y'all know I'm like, sorry when I say it, but that's what she's saying. She's just saying it nice because she's nice. Y'all know I have to be all strategic here. There's several things. Number one, you do not bring it up until it's the right time. Okay. Until someone has decided that they are stopping. I don't care the reason. So don't bring this up until they are to that point. If you want to know how to get them to that point, tons of videos on this channel about it, invisible intervention, whatever. But the, the point here is I, I see his families all the time. Like somebody's in active addiction. They're like, you need to go to treatment. Dude, you skipping a bunch of steps here. So wait until the moment is right. And then, what, this is where my sneaking, I say, I really want you to do 90 days of treatment. <laughs> and if they do, I'm like, great. But if they don't, then what you want to do is you want to say, well, would you do this? So if you think about negotiating for a car or something, if you start high, and then you have this down here, then if they turn this down and then you have just this as an option, this is going to seem really appealing when stacked up against some other things. If, if you come out the gate and say, well, I want you to take drug tests all the time. You got to set it up right. You got to wait for the right moment and you got to set it up right. And then what, like what Liz is saying, 
when I ask people to do monitoring clients that I have, I don't force monitoring on anyone. But when I set it up and I suggest it, I set it up for those two reasons that I told you before. I think it's going to make being sober easier and say the things that I said. And I think that it's going to make it easier also because your family is going to be off your back. That's better. And even if a lot of my clients, like the, the results don't have to go to the family member, their sponsor, to their coach, like maybe you don't even want to see all that. It doesn't have to go to you. And sometimes that's the better case mm-hmm. is not to go. But knowing that someone else has got it. Mm-hmm. We've seen people send their results um, strictly to their therapist. It is case by case. What works best in your dynamic? A hundred percent. So, And I will say this too. Like a lot of times the sober link results don't go to the family. They go to me. And, and here's what I say about that. I say, say listen, if, if there's a problem and someone's a few minutes late or there's an issue, I'm not going to freak out because I'll get results all day. You're going to freak out, right? You're going to be like, why am I taking that test yet? You know, and if it's going to put you on hyper alert and make you worse, that's when you don't want it to come. But we only um, have a coupon code for your uh, special folks, Amber. And I love being able to share this. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. I truly am like super excited about what you're doing. Thanks for listening to our audio. But did you know these episodes are recorded live on YouTube? Join us Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern to participate in the discussion ask questions, give and get feedback. Any featured links discussed in this episode can be found in the show notes. And lastly, my goal is to spread recovery faster than addiction is spreading, and I can't do it alone. You can help support my mission by leaving a review for this podcast or sharing it with a friend.